Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. Oh, we've had such a great week of shows. It continues today. I'm so excited. I can't wait for y'all to hear today's episode. And before we get started, I want to tell you about one of our incredible partners, Prep Dish. Y'all know Prep Dish. They've been around forever. My friend Allison, the owner, is just awesome. And what's better than having someone else, a registered dietitian and chef, no less, map out your meals each week? Here's the answer. Nothing's better. I admit, though, sometimes it's hard to fit in time to meal prep on the weekends. And sometimes I've got a lot to get done and some fun plans on a weekend day. And I'm practicing Sabbath on the other. I need meal prep that fits in a different time slot. You guys, this is why I'm so excited to tell you about Prep Dish's latest offering. All Prep Dish subscribers now receive a weekly super fast menu in addition to the normal gluten free, paleo, and low carb menus. Super fast menus take only one hour to prep, and that means I can easily fit the prep in on a weeknight if I don't manage it on the weekend. Prep Dish creates these super fast menus based on what people are asking for, saving time, and their subscribers are absolutely loving them. I mean, with baked salmon with creamy lime sauce, roasted asparagus, and mushrooms, yes, and Moroccan pork quinoa bowls with roasted cauliflower and chickpeas, what's not to love? And on weeks I feel like spending a little more time in the kitchen, I still have the other three menus to choose from. If you've thought about trying Prep Dish but worried you wouldn't have time to do the prep, now is a great time to check out their free trial. Allison, our friend, is offering my friends a free two-week trial. Check out prepdish.com slash Annie for this amazing deal. Again, that's prepdish.com slash Annie for your first two weeks free, and let me know how you like it. Today on the show, we get to welcome back one of our very favorites, Pastor John Tyson. John is an author, a pastor, and a church planner in New York City, pastoring at Church of the City, New York. He's originally from Australia, but John moved to the States two decades ago with a passion to seek and cultivate renewal in the Western church. You've heard him before on the pod on episode 213 and episode 232, because boy, did we need some pastoring in 2020. He's back with us today because he's got a new book out called The Intentional Father, A Practical Guide to Raise Sons of Courage and Character. I cannot wait for y'all to hear from him. So here's my conversation with our friend, John Tyson. John Tyson, welcome back to That Sounds Fun. Hello. What an absolute joy to be here uh, I in hope person. you really mean it. it I'm having the time of my life in Green Hills, Nashville. <laughs> welcome. We've been here four minutes and you already have me crying. <laughs> We're talking about stuff that matters. Yeah. We're talking about, I mean, I just think there. you and I are both experiencing with God, Him ordering our steps. Yes. I mean, I, I a couple of days ago, I just was back in Psalm 37 where it says, he cares about every detail of your life. Mm, mm. Do you feel that? Do you always feel that? Or do you have to rem- tell yourself that? You know, it's very, very interesting. I felt a conscious shift in my walk with God a couple of months ago. And, you know, I come from a Pentecostal tradition. So yeah. I am fire, tongues, glory, slaying in the spirit, yeah. miracles. And I just felt it's very hard to describe, but like a deepening, like God basically saying, no dramatics, no, no big dramatics. It's just huh. deepening. It's about huh. meaning and wonder. Yeah. And so I've been really pressing into that. So I do, I do feel it, but it often at this point in my life doesn't feel dramatic. It feels yeah. deep, yeah. but not dramatic. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it not feeling dramatic. I think life hands me enough dramatic <laughs> that I don't need to like go ask the Lord for yes. it, you know? Yes, yes. And, but I find that we were talking about walking by faith and not by sight. I find that I walk by faith better mm. if I pay attention to the little moments where it feels like God is ordering my steps. Yes, it is absolutely about awareness. It's, uh, awareness is the whole key. You really? Know? Yeah, we're just sleepwalking through life most of the time, rushing from one place to the next, you know, distracted, mm. stressed. Mm-hmm. And I think that the still voice, still small voice is there if we, we are paying attention. Yeah. I remember Dallas Willard, you know, would spend 20 minutes or half an hour a day just sitting with Jesus, doing nothing. Really? Just sit in the silence and see if anything came. Present with Christ by faith, regardless of the outcome. I think uh, that's it. Present with Christ by faith, regardless of the outcome. Yeah. How do we do that when the world looks like this? Well, number one, you can't start your day by gazing on the world or your heart will like your heart will fail before coffee. Yeah. So I think you've got to set your heart early in the morning, you know? Yeah. Our little Sea Rock crew has a uh, no phones for the first two hours of the day rule or whatever so that you don't just get drawn into the drama. Mm-hmm. So you've got to still the heart, get your eyes on Jesus, 
two yeah. hours of day. You, well, the just first the, the, two. yeah, first two is like, hey, look, don't 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 wake up and reach for your phone and let the yeah. bleeding trauma of the world touch your heart first yeah. thing. Yeah, it's very very hard to discipline yourself to like get your gaze on Jesus and yeah. set your heart. You know, I was meditating this morning. In this world, you will have many problems, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Yeah. You know, just thinking about that world, take heart, take heart. Well, I have to take heart because the problems are crushing and overwhelming. And so, yeah, yeah you just get these little nuggets of hope and perspective and peace. And that's where I get it anyway. Yeah. I, I think one of the problems is that I often will have my phone with me too soon. And I will start dealing, because for you and I, for a lot of people listening, as soon as we open our phones, we're actually at work. Work is oh, starting. No. no one's ever put it like that, but that is the truest thing ever. Yeah. And so I yeah. start work at 7 a.m. if I'm not careful Yeah. and not thoughtful. What do you know about God today? Yes. <laughs> we are actually talking on the day your book launches, yes. on the day the Intentional Father launches. Thank yes. you for making time on launch day. Bless your this heart. This is the highlight of my launch day. Are you kidding? <laughs> well, this is as good as it I gets for me. So. Well, yes. it is the highlight I'm of launch my day. day heaven. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you. Um, but tell me what you know about God today. I mean, you just dropped your daughter off at college, mm-hmm. empty nester. We oh, are, we are, you and I are like five years apart in age. I'm 44. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 41. So we're yes. three years apart yes. and I have no children and you're an empty nester. I love it. What do you know about God today that you didn't know before the weekend? Oh gosh. I mean, I, I think we struggle to comprehend how much God loves us. Hmm. So it's in, in 1 John 3, it's, oh, what manner of love the Father has lavished on us. Yeah. And I think it's very hard for us to receive the lavishing love of God. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, gosh, I mean, I did everything I knew how to do for my kids. I just, I did it. I gave it my best shot. Yeah. You know, I mean, gosh, I just put my heart and soul into it. And it probably still wasn't enough, but I just had a sense, uh, I think, of my kids reciprocating love to me, Mm. you know? And it was like, wow, my kids genuinely feel loved by me. Yeah. My kids feel loved by me. I sat my kids down and I was like, hey, guys, I've got a book out called The Intentional Father. And I don't, you know, number one, beware, Satan's going to want to destroy our relationship because, wow. you know, I put this out here. But number two, I don't know if I was a good dad, but I did my best to be intentional. You yeah. know? And they were like, what are you talking about? You're a great dad. You know, like uh, just like my kids were reciprocating love to me. Yeah. And I, I think as my daughter was walking off in slow motion through the tears, I just felt I felt the emotional heart of God towards me. Like, this is how I feel about you. Wow. This level of connection, you know? And so that's one of those deep internal personal experiences that you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it on paper. But when you're in it, you're like, this is life itself. Your love is better than life, Yeah. says the psalmist. And so when you're standing there in that parking lot and she's walking off and you're crying (gasps) like a baby and you're trying to be strong, I'm just like, just hearing from the Father, this is how I feel about you. This is my heart towards you. So that was like a fresh encounter with God's love, you know? His tender affection. I I wonder if, I mean, was your wife having a similar experience? So my wife had to go home the day before. So um, that was like, that was like mega major trauma. (laughs) So, I mean, my kids are used to me filming everything. So, you know, like the footage of my wife and daughter just holding each other, hugging was just like heartbreaking. Uh So she had like one round of emotional release. So my son and her drove back um, to New York. And then I was coming over here to do this. So I had another day uh, with her and then it was just me and her. And so we went out, went to church and then uh, had lunch and then dropped her off. And Did that feel strategic of the Lord that you got that extra afternoon? Oh, I don't know if it was strategic of the Lord. It was like, it gave me space to cry and, you know, it was, it was, it's so weird. It's such a fascinating experience because I'm a profoundly thoughtful person and I'm very nostalgic, but 
Um, it's not pain for a long for past. I think it's like an awareness of gratitude and I want to be present. And it's like it says in the book of Deuteronomy, do not let these things fade from your heart as long mm. as you live. Mm. And I'm trying to keep it alive in my spirit. So I'm looking at a photo in my hotel room after I drop her off of me at 20 moving to America to come to college. Oh my gosh. And then I see myself in my room almost out of body at 44 dropping my daughter off. And I probably spent three hours sitting there thinking, what is 65-year-old John going to say to 45-year-old John? So wow. I was like, what would I say to my 20-year-old self about everything I've been through, everything I've learned, and then uh -huh. what do I need to get right the next 20 years Wow! in this sort of like my second adulthood? Like what do I need to get right in these years so that when I'm sitting here at 65 after some other thing, dropping a grandkid at college? I don't know. Yeah. What do I need to get right? So it was like, it was a profoundly moving time. Grateful for the space to reflect and not to just rush through it. You yeah. know, I, try, I try and sit in the emotions and process them properly. A lot of our friends listening probably have high schoolers or yeah. are taking kids to college yes. this week. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, and I have another friend here whose twins are going off to college uh, this weekend. Yeah. What's the advice you, from what you've experienced, you've, your son's already launched. Yeah, he's and 21. Now, yeah. Wild. And now your daughter's launched. What is what is your advice? How do how do we go home and be okay? Oh gosh, I, I haven't gone home yet. <laughs> Fair. You know, I mean, it's like you've got to talking with my wife. I mean, there's a, there's a void in your life. Okay, so there's a giant space that was filled with your kids, time, attention, energy. I think the big question is, what are you going to fill it with? Mm. You know, and um, so I'm spending a lot of time reading, sort of about second half of life literature now yeah. or whatever. They talk about the second adulthood. So the first adulthood, sort of 20 to 40, it's all inevitably filled with personal scripts, cultural expectations, ambition, shadow side, discovery. And then you hit that midlife point where many of those things are stripped away. And then what you're left with is, he talks about in this book, which is like meaning and wonder, the pursuit of mm. meaning and wonder. Mm. So I think, yeah, you have to really ask yourself what gives me meaning outside of my roles. So yeah. like you get tremendous meaning from being a parent or the workplace, but where's my true meaning? And then how do I cultivate wonder in its place? Because yeah. kids bring us wonder. Right. They're in touch with stuff we're not in touch with. They're experiencing for the first time things. It's, it's a true and authentic inner life for them. So I think we have to find ways to replace those things that are brought to us as gifts and cultivate it in our own lives. So, you know, that's different for everybody. But for me, I think it's like reading a lot less books more slowly and twice, you know, mm. as opposed to just cramming content. Wow. Being really honest with some of those suppressed desires that had no space to breathe because of duty. Yeah. You know, not, not, not bad duty, good duty, godly duty. But now there's this space. What, what in my heart feels suppressed that needs to be explored and let out and, and looked into? And so, you know, my wife and I are looking at each other going like, who who do we become now? Yeah. Like, what do we do with every single free night of the week that we right. have? Right. So, you know, we're trying to rebuild our rhythms and practices and do stuff that gives us life. So, A, a lot of our friends also listening have little people. They have, yeah. you know, one-year-olds, four-year-olds, mm. elementary. Mm. And to me, intentional, the, your book, The Intentional Father, is kind of helping us. You almost are doing to your what your 65-year-old self wants to do to your 40-year-old self in this mm. book mm. To, for the rest of us of like, hey, if yeah, you're yeah. brand new yeah. at raising people, yeah. let me tell you some things. Mm. Can moms read this book? 100%. Okay. Yeah, I mean, th this the, the, so this book is – so I've got a lot of thoughts about like what I tried to get right when my kids were little. This book's really designed for sort of teenagers from adolescence into adulthood. Uh -huh. So I've got a lot of thoughts about early life, what needs to happen. Moms can read this, but I would just say like – one of the challenges, so I did this, it took six years with my son and you could probably do this in a year if you wanted. However, I was like, I'm going to have this kid for the next six years. So let's right. just do it for six years. Right. Make it lifestyle, not, not program. Right. And um, my wife would often mock unintentionally. My daughter and my wife would mock me when we do it. Uh -huh. So we'd get up at 5.30, the kids, you know, had to take the train to school. They went to school in Queens and um, they would say, Oh, are you up doing your man time? Are you up? Are you up self-actualizing as men? You know, they were just, they just, and I actually had to pull her aside and be like, you know, like men deal with insecurity and shame in ways that you probably are not aware of, and know. it's like right. hard to try and figure out what it is. How do you deal as a young man with all the new energies filling your body? You've got testosterone in there. You're, you're, you've got 
you know, sexual energy. You've got insecurity about your identity. Other guys are testing your strength. You've got academics. You're, you're wrestling with stuff online. There's so much pressure. And here you are making a noble step forward to get yeah. your act together. Yeah. And then people are mocking you when you're doing In it. In your I'm own like, home. Yes, yeah, right. so you need every ounce of encouragement. So I would just say right. to mums, like, hey, just be gracious. Let, yeah. let Give them a little space to sort of like – so, but reading it will give you insights as to sort of, I think, the psychological journey. The book, the book is based on, uh, basically there's a, a guy named James Hollis who a lot of the, he's a, uh, a PhD in psychology, a Jungian analyst. Jungian analyst. He basically is the guy that, um, so Roll Heiser and um, oh, yeah. uh, Richard Raw sort of get a lot of their midlife stuff from. And he basically said every society except late modern society has had a six-step process to form people from adolescence into adulthood. This oh, wow. is number one is like conscious separation. Number two is visceral death to the childhood experience. Number three is impartation of the tribe's story, religious identity, and then roles required to serve the larger community. Then there's what he calls the, the ordeal, where all of these things have to be tested on your own to see if the inner strength and lessons have arrived. There's yeah. recognition amongst the community who have initiated you, and then there's return and participation in society to serve the common good. So no one's like, who, which parents do you know? Like, hey, I'm just thinking through these six stages you need to go through. <laughs> right. So the book is based on that. It's yeah. like a modern Christian version of that. But mom's reading it, I think, can see how interesting. This is the psychological and emotional formative journey yeah. teenage boys need to go through. And it yeah. may explain some of the tensions and behavior that they have. Um, so I think it's, yeah, my, my wife, uh, read it and she was like, Hey, this is actually really helpful. Yeah. Like it helps me understand my son better. And yeah. if some of the, the stuff he's wrestling with. So yeah. yeah, it's definitely like a good guide for moms. And, and then my wife challenged me with something I didn't like. Uh -huh. she, she's like, so I've read all the stuff and half this stuff is true for women. And I was like, yeah, like a large degree of it sure. is for human beings. Right. I said, but you're not going to motivate a 13-year-old boy by going, hey, just so you know, half of this is for girls too. <laughs> just doesn't, it's like you're trying to like right. win their hearts into a journey. Right. So, you know, I did a whole separate process for my daughter. I got 50 pieces of my heart and that was like the 50 things I wanted her to have in her spirit before she left home. And yeah, there was definitely some overlap, but yeah. there, was, there was some nuance. Is but that book coming too? Oh, at some point. Yeah. It just dropped her off. Right. You're like, Annie, slow down. I need the heart to heal. <laughs> Before I share these yes. 50 pieces. <laughs> yes. Yes. When I think about the two halves of life, I yes. mean, I'm, as we are the same age, I'm yes. entering that too. It yeah. looks different, but yeah, I'm entering sure. that too. I'm reading about that. I'm interested in that. What does it look like for us to be thinking spiritually about the two halves of life as adults? Well, one of the one of the things they've often pointed out, which people talk about, but I don't think we believe, is success has nothing to teach us in the second half of life. It's enjoyable, huh. but it doesn't teach us anything. All of the learning comes through pain. That's awful. It's so terrible. But I hate it. <laughs> that's so true. So I mean, you think about it, like you know. So what do you what do you learn? How are you formed? through success. It was like, it's fun. Uh -huh. I've done some cool stuff and I'm like, this is good times right here. Yeah. I'm, I appreciate this. But, you know, and you say God is gracious and God is kind and joy is a gift. Yeah, great. But the deep, deep formative stuff comes through the struggle. And so they, they tend to say God has a way of, of bringing things that we haven't dealt with up in the second half. Ugh. And helping us walk through it so that we become. interested in that? <laughs> John? You know, the thing about Lord. God is like, if you're not interested in it, he's so interested in you. Doesn't matter. He's just going to bring it up. <laughs> it's like know. a video game until you, until you uh, like learn the lessons of a particular stage, you just keep repeating him in different circumstances. Oh, you need to know that that is one of the things that when I feel something repeating, I'll say to the Lord, I thought we covered this. What did I not? <laughs> like, I thought I went yes. through this. Yes. And then what ends up happening, I'm in, it, I'm in it right now. What ends up happening is the Lord goes, this isn't the same. It's different. Mm. This, is, this is the next level mm. of the same game. Yeah, yeah. But I'm making you play the same game for a reason. Yeah. But this is the next level of the same game. Yeah. I only get tattoos when something has hurt me so much I've learned from it. 
Mm, wow. And and I was on the phone with our, one of our mutual friends. You're like, friends you've just, got a full sleeve right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get them in white. Do you know that about me? No. I have white tattoos. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. And so they're, it's just words, but no one ever sees them because they're, uh, they're white and I'm very pale. But I was on a phone with a mutual friend of ours yesterday, Matt Chandler. Yeah. And, I, and I said, I think I got to get a tattoo about this. And he's like, I think you do. <laughs> but it, you're right. It's only in pain. Yeah. That's awful. Why did the Lord set it up like that, John? <sighs> Pastor, did the Lord set it up like that? I don't know if the Lord set it up like that as opposed to God redeems the brokenness of the uh, human experience uh, through that. I mean, uh-huh. I think God's like plan A design for humanity was pain and suffering, but it's like he's got to redeem those things. Yeah. And, um, do you know that more profoundly as a parent than I do? Oh, I mean... I mean, I don't think you compare you can compare experiences. Like, I have no idea. Like, in your inner woman, what you've been through. Like, you <laughs> I know, I know. But I will say this: your kids yeah. have a capacity to wound you in ways that you can never wound yourself. More than a spouse. Yes. Really. I've been married twenty three years. I tell people without getting in trouble: seventeen great years, two years of hell, three pretty good years. Wow. So, I mean, we're in a very good spot right now got a one week deep dive counseling sesh to like, it's yeah. a tune up next week. It's yeah. a tune up for our emptiness years. Um, That's brilliant. People need to hear that. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I mean, gosh, my wife has hurt me so deeply. I'm sure I've hurt her so deeply, but your kids wound you in different, like in a deeper, really? different ways. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, the deepest pain I've ever experienced is my kids' rebellion. Really? Yes, yes. I've never, I mean, like, there's a couple moments where I've thought I just want to walk outside and vomit, like, of just, of like, just visceral heartache and pain. Yeah. yeah. And my kids are great. Yeah. You know, like, I didn't deal with a lot. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about another one of our incredible partners, Olive and June. If we've been friends for any length of time, you know this about me, but it is a major rarity that my nails aren't painted. I do my best to always have a mani, and the challenge is that I would definitely call myself an amateur at painting my own nails. I do my best, but they end up looking not great and chipping within a day, but the alternative is forking over a lot of money to get regular salon manis. So enter Olive and June's Manny system. It is our new best friend at this office, y'all. Do-it-yourself manis that look salon perfect and last over seven days are actually possible. Olive and June's Manny system comes with everything you need for beautiful DIY manis all in one box. And even better, it's only five steps. It comes with a poppy, this like flexible, easy to grip brush handle that you can change out on all the bottles of polish. It's comfortable to hold so it steadies your hands. It makes it so easy to paint with both of them. That means both hands end up with smooth, perfectly manicured nails instead of one looking great and the other looking not great. The Manny system with six polishes breaks down to like $2 a manicure. I mean, y'all, I used to spend more than that, more than $35 for just one gel Manny. And the Olive and June polish is amazing. I love the color options. They're glitter polish options and their polish is so shiny. It looks just like gel and it doesn't chip. It lasts like a week, y'all. We could not believe it here at the office. This never happens with polish. My nails look great, and I did them myself. The Olive and June Manny system is the secret behind salon perfect nails at home, all in one. No guessing, no messy nails, no salon price tags. And as one of my friends, you get 20% off your first Manny system at oliveandjune.com using the code that sounds fun. Your new nail life is here, so get 20% off your first Manny system when you use promo code that sounds fun at oliveandjune.com. We're done with expensive, bad manicures. Okay, this is the new us, you guys. And now back to our conversation with John Tyson. And so your experience with the Lord, does that mirror things for you? I mean, not the, the well, easy t- mirror oh. is when we rebel against God, it breaks his heart. That's not what I mean. Yeah. I mean, like, do, does it, are there times where God hurts your feelings like that too? Because I don't know that anyone's hurt me as much as God has hurt me. Yeah, I mean... Should I not say that on a podcast? No, I mean you've got to be honest. I mean the Psalms are the Psalms are there for a reason. Yeah, I think I think it's different. I don't doubt uh, I don't doubt God's heart. 
Yeah, so that's I, I don't, right. I don't that's have right. a naive theology that says this. Here's the factors of my life, God and me. That's not my life. Right. I'm talking like angels, principalities, broken cultures, human systems, a thousand personalities I'm interacting with daily, yeah. time, space, physical dimensions, fallen world. Like there's many, many factors. Occasionally God's just like, let me just be God directly for a moment uh-huh. and just like fully intervene dramatically. For the most part, there's a lot of, lot of pieces to the puzzle. doesn't yeah. mean God's not sovereign. It's just that he's chosen to set things up that include large doses mm-hmm. of human freedom and decisions. And so, yeah, I, don't, I think I don't doubt the goodness of God. I doubt the methodology of God. <laughs> That's yes. right. That's uh, right. So in, as a part That's of this counseling it. intake, they yeah. have to like, you do this intake. And one of the most awful things was like, because really hard. You have all the relationships in your life and they say, what are three things you don't like about each person? Oh, wow. I'm like, why are you filling this out? <laughs> why don't I don't dig this stuff up? Yeah. Like, We're here to dig it up. Yeah. So anyway, you had to write, what don't you like about God? And I, I thought about this for so long. It like literally stumped me and I just wrote one thing that I don't like about God. His nebulous communication. That's what I don't like. I'm reading the book of Acts and like Paul, who's seen Jesus, is trying to do mission. The Holy Spirit forbids him. And then he has a dream and in the dream. And then, and I'm like, there's so many ways that are so nebulous. Yeah. Like I just wish the communication was clearer. And so I, I do get pain around a lack of clarity. That's where I feel like hurt. But I think, I think I'm living with such profound levels of gratitude that's like, look, I'm a high school dropout from a meat factory in Australia. How did I get here? Yeah. How did we get to have be on the f- sounding fun? This does sound fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is just all mercy. Yeah. And um, so, uh, you know, I do cultivate a lot of gratitude, so I'm not mad at God too much. I've experienced like, gosh, I mean, name human trauma. I mean, like I have not had an easy life and yeah. my marriage is, you know, like my wife's family is filled with like horrific, horrific pain. But I'm still not mad at God about that. So I, I get frustrated, sure. But I'm like, I think I've like been through enough to trust his heart. I mean, that that is the pinnacle might not be the right word. I don't know what the right word is. That is the truthiest truth for me about yes. the difference between God and humans and yeah. the hurt there is that in the end, mm. I always know whether I like it or not, the problem is not God. The problem is Annie. Yeah. Like the problem is the circumstances or whatever, but in the end, yeah. he, there's a song, uh, it's called Catch Me Singing. And, and the whole idea is like, when, when the spring comes, I hope God catches me singing. Mm, mm. And, and one of the lines is, you've been God for a long time. Mm. And, and I, as I think about that and sing that, I often go like, oh, all the things I'm bringing to you, the things my friends are bringing to you, the things that matter to me, you've been God a long time. Yeah. A lot of people have raised humans. A lot of people mm. have been single in their lives. A lot of people have had trauma. Mm. A lot, but you've been gone a long time. Yeah. And that just, that is hopeful to me that he knows what he's doing. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's how we frame ourselves. So I do, I do an exercise every morning where it's like, I read this um, biography of Bonhoeffer, which basically like fueled my whole last book. Oh, okay? really? It's called A Strange Glory. That fueled the intentional father. No, it fueled uh, beautiful, beautiful resistance. resistance. Yes, man, you know how and, much we love beautiful resistance right well, here. That was very kind. Such Thank a you. good book. But Bonhoeffer, the book starts with Bonhoeffer as a child contemplating eternity uh-huh. as he's going to sleep. So as a kid, yeah, eternity, eternity, eternity. And so I have an eternity exercise I do every morning, and it's basically I, I try and think through like, you know, the genealogies of the Bible. I try and think through like the big arc of human history, and I try and position myself as a tiny <laughs> like mist and peon. And I realize all the people that lived before and everybody who live after I've gone. And I try and like, like be pretty humble. And, um, and then I was just in Iceland with my daughter. And you're looking at stuff that was like, oh, look, I don't know how old the earth is. It's old, it's old. old. It's old, old. Yeah. And I was like, how many, you know, they're telling stories a thousand years old and how many waves crashed over these rocks to smooth the stones and all of yeah. this. And I was like, we are just a missed. A blink. This is so quick. So be profoundly grateful. Mm. Remember eternal life that, that, you know, we will live forever and ever in the new heavens and a new earth. Yeah. And so like, you got to get that stuff in your spirit as a part of your operating system. Otherwise you'll be overwhelmed with a momentary, you know, wow. and so it's like, it's, 
it's a default setting to be completely yeah. overwhelmed by the, by the moment. So it's been a lot of time just trying to get the right perspective of what's actually happening in the human story. And we have it honestly so much better than like the Noah's of the world because he lived like hundreds of years. Us at best, hundred. Like we got to do this a hundred years and then it's eternity. Unless the singularity comes or, you know, <laughs> unless they sure. clone it out. Or right, right, right. Unless science helps. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if it would help or hurt, honestly. Yeah. I think my, I think my hope and my faith and my perseverance needs to know we do this. Yeah. For a hundred ish years. Yeah. At best, if we, I hope, I hope we get to, I hope I get to go that long at doing this. I think part of my challenge too is like, and it's, it's part of my, like my wiring and my like spiritual gifting or whatever. We all process a lot through our spiritual gifts, but you know, like I fundamentally view my life as I'm in a spiritual war. Oh wow. Like the Bible is filled with. That's like the baseline of how you think about every day. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm on the front line of like the, in like, like. Parenting, pastoring, yeah, but it's like it's a, it's a beautiful war. It's a war of love. It's a war of peace. It's a war of the fruit of the spirit. But, but I, I'm fundamentally in a spiritual war. So I honestly believe most of the bad things happen in my life is like spiritual resistance to trying to advance the kingdom. Okay, we're going to talk about yes. This. Keep so, going. so I'm not mad at God. Sure. When I'm pressing in, I spend a lot of time walking around the streets of New York saying, Jesus, I welcome you into this city. I welcome you here. Your ministry is wanted here. Your person is wanted here. Like, do you think that like millennia old principalities who have strongholds in New York City, mammon, exploitation of the poor, do you think those things are excited about Christians walking around Mm. inviting Jesus' ministry into the streets? No. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not like, again, it's not like, well, God, why are you doing this? It's probably like there's so much resistance in my world. And I just acknowledge that comes with the territory. So like when you read Paul, you know, he's talking. Have you ever talked about Paul, by the way? Do you know how I feel about Paul? No. Okay. You tell me about Paul and then I'll tell you about Paul. (laughs) Well, no, just like Paul on his missionary journeys. You know, he's like, he's like Alexander the metalworker did me great harm. Yeah. And then all his mates are deserting him at the end of his life. And what does he say? May the Lord not hold it against them because yeah. he realizes they're in a war. Yeah. And, um, you know, so you all have sort of a framing metaphor, but that's basically how I view it. Now, I, I, again, I don't try and have a militancy. I'm not living out of fear, anxiety mm-hmm. or panic. I'm living out of deep peace, but I yeah. realize I'm in a deep spiritual struggle. And so I anticipate like staggering amounts of resistance. Gosh, I like you so much, John Tyson. Okay, so being intentional, the intentional father, I mean, what you're saying to me is every day, this is relating in in my life too, but uh, every day when you're praying and when things aren't going, when you're not seeing revival the way you want to see it, when things aren't going quite like you should, if something goes sideways, even today, our timing was off. We Mm -hmm. thought we were supposed to be here at two different times. (laughs) When that kind of stuff happens, you just go, all right, Lord, I'm coming... When do you let life just be life? And when do you press in for God to change and win a, a spiritual battle? Well, I, I mean, it's a dominant metaphor. It's not the only metaphor. But um, yeah, it's like under the leading of the Spirit. Like I was telling you, like I, I, I can't share the details of what I, we yeah. talked about earlier, but like I experienced what I describe as the providence of God, like the yes. legitimate... <laughs> Like, for, I think for that guy this morning, that that's going to be a God moment in his story, whatever he does. For the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah. whatever he yeah. does, he's going to be like, gosh, you can't make that up. Yep. And so I just put that down. Hey, God's working in ways I'm unaware of larger than me. Yeah. So I have trust, like a lot of things happening. Like, I don't know how God's working it out. Yeah. He promises to work all things together for our good. Uh-huh. You know, that the idea of synergy. So I don't know how that works. But like mainly it's the leading of the spirit. You know, I'm married to a woman whose discernment is like a thousand X and she's, she will often say, Hey, we need to pray about this. We need to fast about this. We got to like, we got to rebuke this, you know, like, why are you tolerating this? This is like an attack. And I have that internally too, but my mode is like, I mean, I default to like dealing with it in the secret place. Like, yeah, Yeah. I can like gear up for war if I have to. I hate that. It's not my, it's not like, you know, like a pretty like childlike spirit. Yeah. But. Most of it is like dealt with through prayer. A lot uh-huh. of like secret binding and loosing and renouncing and all of that. I'm like, I, like the greatest fear in my life is that one day I'll get caught on a tape interceding. <laughs> and everybody will hear like, that's yeah, what he would they'll, say? They'll be like, dang. <laughs> John, like, I, the I, other I, prayers are fine, you know. <laughs> but that stuff is like, that, that secret place stuff is uh-huh. yeah. I, 
I've been walking and praying yeah. uh, because I, it helps lower the anxiety I yeah, feel about Todd. the situations yeah, yeah. if I'm moving, like you were yeah, saying, Todd. walking around New York. And, and I live close to here. Yeah. And I've been like, uh, the beauty, I just posted about this yesterday, the beauty of wearing AirPods is people don't know if you're on the phone oh, or totally. not. So I just let her rip, tater chip. Yes. I mean, I just am out there really giving it a go around yes. my neighborhood. And I'm like, these people either think I'm incredibly unkind Yes. To whoever, I'm not being unkind to God. I'm just very seriously yes, praying. Yes. I'm breaking off things and I'm opening yeah. up doors and yeah. saying to God, like, you say if you open doors, nobody shuts them. So I'm calling this door open and I'm calling this one, yes. you know, like, I'm going. Yeah. And, and I'm always worried, like, my neighbors have got to think I have lost my mind. But I'm also like, I've got to walk and own this situation. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I just, I just um, read a book, a wonderful book. Um, not super user-friendly, um, but it was called A Calling in the Name of the Lord, and it's a biblical theology of prayer. And the guy basically... A calling goes, in the Name of the Lord. Yeah, he basically just goes, like, I'll give you the book. Okay? Yeah, you just it's, tell me. It's a great book. It's worth down. buying. But it, his essence is like, here's what prayer is. Calling on the name of the Lord to fulfill his covenant promises. That's mm. what biblical prayer is. Yeah. So he goes through every section of the Bible and comments on all the prayer in all the books of the Bible. Oh, that's cool, and, though. Yeah, and it, the essence is it is calling on the name of the Lord to fulfill his covenant promises. Mm. And I read all of uh, Finney's stuff on prayer. Like, yeah. like Homeboy saw some fruit. Yeah. Like what was happening behind the scenes that sort of, you know, produced the public outcomes. And he's very, very similar. So like all advancement of the kingdom of God, a lot of the advancement of the kingdom of God comes with people holding up to God his covenant promises and making the case for his kingdom in intercession. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my prayers, it's sort of, it's not, it's it's more like, Lord, you said in your word. Yes. So this is up to you. I mean, the Hebrides revival, like the breakthrough came when, it, when they basically prayed, Lord, are you a covenant keeping God or not? Mm. This is your reputation, not ours. Mm. We're happy just hanging out here in the Hebrides. Are you going to do what you said or not? It's calling God to account. But it's got to be covenant because otherwise it's arrogance and God doesn't like respect the prideful heart. So it's like when you know the relationship you're in. So I tell people all the time, um, my wife comes from sort of like hillbilly elegies. Like she read that okay. book, wept and said, this contains more explanatory power than anything I've read about my wow. life. So very like sort of like Mountain Dew in the bottle is the Appalachian yeah. sort of a dynamic. In Australia though. No, no. no she's American. Yeah. From yeah, Maggie sorry. Valley, North Carolina. <gasps> I yeah. love Maggie Valley. Yeah, so I know nice. exactly where that is and I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. Anyway, so like that, that's sort of a background and, we would we would wrestle, talk through these things, try and trying to figure this stuff out. She's got a communication dynamic that is like strong. She's an alpha apex predator eight on the Enneagram. <laughs> and I'm from Australia. I was like formed as a man in a meat factory with yeah. godless butchers. So our communication style was like very strong. If you've ever heard um, sort of like Arabic people fight, just, you're just like, whoa. It's like very, I used to... Um, work with some Arabic friends and like they're, they're just like the tone, the sentence structure feels very guttural and visceral. Yeah. And uh, like people often look at us and they're like, gosh, you guys getting into it. We're like, oh, what are you talking about? No, <laughs> now we actually explain to people when they join our team, hey, here's a little bit of our background. That's yeah, you need to don't know. Be, don't be intimidated. <laughs> but my point is, if you try and talk to my wife like that, we're going to have a problem. Mm. You don't, we got 23 years in the game here. We've walked yeah. through some stuff. So we can speak to one another based on our relational history that in ways wow. that other people can't. And wow. I think so often our prayers are ineffective because they're all formal and distant. We don't really know him. So we're not praying with authority. We're not wrestling with God. You know, um, Philip Yancey says that, you know, prayer is like, it's like bargaining with God in a market. Mm. That's what the truest meaning of prayer is like. How much is it? $8? I'll give you six. Yeah. $7.50. No, I'm not six twenty. you know. <laughs> so... I uh, very recently, last week, uh, Bethany Bernard and I talked about this on the podcast last week, but I had this moment with the Lord where I said, I said, I feel like you're being mean. And I've never said that before in my 40 years. Mm. I mean, I've been a Christian since I was five. So 36 wow. years of being a believer, I've never said that. Mm. And in the end, it drew us closer together. Yeah, And it made me he is not mean. I often say, your feelings can ride, but they cannot drive. Mm. So I was saying to him, here's what the Bible says mm. you are. Let me tell you my experience mm. of what I'm feeling. Mm. And and it brought us closer together. But I think mm. you're giving me words for it that I didn't have, that there's a covenant relationship we have that 35 years in, I can, I can approach him with 
awe and with, I mean, I'm not being disrespectful. Yeah, and as, as the Bible says, boldness and confidence Yeah. to obtain mercy and help in your time of need. I, yeah. I have a lot of prayers where I'm like, you're up, God. You <laughs> are it, up. That's it. It's like, the, I need mercy and help right now. Yes. I mean, you, I often this, say, you started this story, not me. <laughs> So if you want, if you wanted me to start this story, if I got bit by a snake because I picked up a snake, that's on me. Yes. But I got bit by a snake I didn't pick up. Yes. So you got to handle this, yes. right? Yes. And I think I'm telling you, I mean, I think back through my life, my, my most sincere prayers, the truest prayers of my spirit, I have very few of those unanswered in my life prayed from that biblical place, claiming the promises of God, covenantally focused. Those very aren't answered? F- very few of those are unanswered. Unanswered, yes. yes like yes. It's, some, of them, some of them have taken a long time, but they've, those ones, like you kind of know, like, God, this is the truest prayer. This is my spirit to your spirit. This is not for me to have a, a good life. This is right. about your kingdom. I'm just yes. asking you to step in. Yes. A lot of those are. I, I think the other thing is like we tend to pray through our area of anointing and gift. And so it's like, uh-huh. if you ask me to pray for your healing, you know, like you're going to get, like, you're going to feel loved, but you probably won't be healed. Mm, Cause it's just not, a yeah, it's just like, it's not my thing. You. Yeah. But if you pray for, if you need provision, you need faith for something, I can impart faith. Yeah. You know, like in, it give you the capacity to believe my yeah. number one gift is a gift of faith. So I think But then that, in your life, do you have to wrestle? Like, does that feel like one of the places that you have to stand up the most? Cause I think I can impart hope. I think it's one of the gifts God's mm. given me, but I also have to fight for it at times too, for me. You know, something, yes. So I tell you, coming out of this last COVID season, it was very hard. We did a podcast, I remember, in the middle of the pandemic, and I was like, oh, so heavy. The city was so heavy. Yeah. It was that, was, that was rough. And your wife was still sick? Yes. She's a lot better now. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that was a wild season. Yeah. One of the yeah one of the the challenges that was connect, one of the challenges that was connected to that I think I was in a prayer meeting one of our, our church's prayer rooms prayer meeting and I'm just sitting there and it's hard I'm leading the prayer meeting and I'm like this prayer meeting sucks I don't even want to be here but I'm being faithful I'm yeah. just being faithful yeah. and I just feel God say to me I have not called you to operate out of faithfulness I've huh. given you the gift of faith and it's time to move in faith again mm. I felt like a physical Filling of the Holy Spirit. I can't even put it into words. It was like the day of Pentecost. Uh I'm just sitting at a table, leading a prayer meeting. No one knows this is happening. And I have been radically different. My leadership's been different. My preaching's been different. My prayer's been different. And it was God's great reminder that like the gifts of the Spirit are a part of our prayer life and ministry as well. And so faithfulness is a great concept that is biblical and true. But if you have the gift of faith, you have to operate out of the gift because there's mm. power in the gift, there's anointing in the gift, there's energy in the gift. And um, so, yeah, do I have to fight for it? I do think so. Um, but I think in that particular category, it's a gift of the Spirit, so there's like a little extra juice in it. Yeah. There. Where do we find the list of the gifts of the Spirit? If we're listening to you and we're going like, yeah, what is what do I have to offer the world? And what can I what can I be? Where do we I mean, find e- that? Everybody's trying to pass up the spiritual gifts in, in a way that makes sense. So we've when I've taught on it, we've talked about three kinds of gifts. We've talked about the motive gifts in Romans 12, which is almost like Enneagram personalities. These are like very, very deep to heart. So in Romans 12, the gift of exhortation. It's like, I feel like I was put on planet earth to walk alongside you, to encourage you to reach your redemptive potential. Yeah. Like that is like, I'm in my happiest. So I hear weird when people say, like, I really appreciate your your preaching. And, and I'm like, oh, I'm not I'm not a teacher. Mm. I'm only teaching to encourage. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So I'm not a teacher. Susie, who's out, it's like, she's oh, a teacher. She's, she's teaching so the Bible. Good, yeah. I'm encouraging you with the Bible. Uh-huh. Different, different gift. Um, so, yeah, you've got the motivation gift. Um, then you've got uh, the ministry gifts in Ephesians 4, which is sort of an apest, you know, apostle, yeah. prophet, uh, evangelist, pastor, teacher, whatever. And then you've got the manifestation gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. And these are sort of like the dramatic ones. And so, <laughs> the dramatic ones. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you they go are, through it's like signs, it. wonders, gifts of healing, miracles, ability to do miracles, yeah, prophecy, all of that sort of stuff. So I, I basically say those motivation gifts, you have to know sort of like this is my calling in the world. I'm an mm. encourager. The mode that I do that is primarily apostolic. I'm about drive the mission forward. Yeah. And then the, the manifestation gifts, I believe pretty close to what women believed that these are available at any time in any place. God owns the gifts. You don't own the gifts. Yeah. And so you can be in a meeting 
and have access to this divine toolkit of yeah, ministry yeah. at any moment if you're sensible and available. So, yeah, I, I, that's been really helpful for the way we think about it. I um, I need to tell you how I feel about Paul. I almost forgot. Yes. Because I'm currently in Corinthians, and I'm okay. I, the Bible I'm reading, the Bible in a year, has me in Job and Corinthians at the same time, and yes. I am loving it. And I've never <laughs> uh, loved either of these characters, yes, all yes. that. Humans, they're not characters. They're real people that walk the earth. But you know what I mean? In Bible characters, these have never been two that I've, like, leaned into. Because mm. Job, as an Enneagram 7, not interested. Yeah, it doesn't tell. Not interested. Ex- ex- so just to cut it, one, one thing I always think about Job, though. So, and this is highlighted in the book of James about perseverance. Uh-huh. It says, remember what Lord, remember what the Lord wrought for Job at the end of his life. And it's like, we forget that Job's life ended with double portion double blessing. Portion. No, we right. all cut it off with like, I put my hand over my mouth. I'm silent before God. You know, it was, it's not how it ends. It yeah. actually ends with God, like rewarding him twofold yes. and blessing him in his greatest days at the ends of his life. Yeah. You know, I just put that in because everyone's sort of like, it's just a tale like just of woe and despair and it ends. And it's like, <laughs> God works it out in the end. And James reminds us when we're struggling. Yeah. Anyway, so you're in Job and Paul. Yeah. And I'm yes. enjoying, I'm actually, for yes. the first time, I'm, I, I, my life is not hard. I have a very easy life. The Lord has been kinder to me mm. than I ever deserve. But I'm really enjoying listening to Job and his friends. His friends yeah. be so like, what have you done? And Job being like, I'm telling you, I've done nothing. Yes. I have been I have been near to God and he's mm. doing this to me. Yeah. I've just really enjoyed Job's yeah. honesty around like, I don't have to listen to you guys. Yes. Y'all are not Y'all don't know, mm. but I know God. Yes. I yes. know my Redeemer lives. Yes. And in the end, I'm going to see him. You know, Philip, Philip Nancy says the only, the key to understanding the book of Job is that in the book of Job, Job's the only one who talks to God. Everybody else talks about God. Ah, oh, that's great. They all have theories and then Job's yes. wrestling it out. I'm currently yeah. in the young, the young guy who says, I've been waiting because these friends are older yes. and I wanted, now I've got to say my piece. And I'm like, guy, <laughs> shut up. Yes. Paul, I've, and not even because of what he says about women teaching or all yeah. that. A lot of people assume I don't love Paul. Yeah. Because of stuff he says about women. But the honest truth is I've always felt like his personality was too harsh. I wanted him to be kinder. I feel like every time I read him, it feels like he's bossing me versus inviting me. And the Corinthians have kind of, I mean, I read um, N.T. Wright's book about Paul, which helped a ton, put him in context, taught me about his personality. And so I've softened to him significantly. Peter's still my guy, but I've softened to Paul significantly. But I find him in Corinthians, when you're talking about 12 and 14 of 1 Corinthians, he, he really is a, he is a caring teacher. Yes. And I, I didn't think it was. So that's when you bring up Paul, everybody listening is going, but Annie doesn't like Paul. But I'm coming around to well, him I mean, so much. I mean, Paul's got a father's heart. He's like, he literally says, like, like you're, everyone's like, give us letters of commendation. And he's like, uh-huh. you're the letter. Like the story of God is right. written through the pen of my life and your heart. You're my letter. Yeah. He's like, make room in your hearts for me. Yeah. What a phrase. This is what he says yeah. to the Corinthians. Make room in your hearts for me. And he's always like dealing with, like uh, these people getting seduced by the super apostles. And he's like, you know, he's like, is he, you know, I got a soft spot for Paul, but yeah. I've got the apostolic sort of like framework of life. Uh-huh. But he can be harsh. He was a driver. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we always have to remember um, that though the Bible is God's, you know, God's word. Paul is a human in the Bible. He's yeah. not the Bible. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to tell you about one of our amazing partners, Trust and Will. So I have some questions for you. Do you own any property? Do you have kids or pets? Do you have specific ideas of how you want to be cared for in a medical emergency? If you've answered yes to any of these, you need to have a will or trust. No matter your age, it is just the responsible thing to do. At trustandwill.com, setting up an estate plan is simple, convenient, and secure. For as little as $39, you can nominate guardians for your children, determine who receives your belongings, and plan for future medical care, all from the comfort of your home. Here's the real real about being a grown-up. Hiring a traditional estate attorney can cost thousands, and using a one-size-fits-all template that's not nearly specialized enough. Trust and Will documents are designed by estate planning experts, and they've customized them to be specific to the state where you live. 
And with live customer support seven days a week, trustandwill.com's team is available to answer any questions you have while setting up your plan. I know it may not sound fun to think about things like this, but you know what is fun? Having peace of mind about your future plans, you guys. That's what motivated me to use Trust and Will to make sure that my estate planning is up to date. Trust and Will is the most trusted name in online estate planning, the category leader on Trustpilot, and they've helped hundreds of thousands of people protect their families, assets, and legacy. Gain peace of mind at trustandwill.com slash that sounds fun and get 10% off plus free shipping of your customized legal documents. Don't wait. Go right now. This is really important. You guys get 10% off plus free shipping at trustandwill.com slash that sounds fun. Again, that's trustandwill.com slash that sounds fun. And now back to the rest of my conversation with John Tyson. I So you say he has a father's heart. I think one of the things that is interesting for people with your book, mm. Intentional Father, I mean, I have a lot of guy friends who are helping parent other kids that are not their kids. Yes. A lot of community. I mean, we have yes. a real like village yes. that I'm a part of, and I'm the only unmarried one in the village yeah. Yeah. that is helping yeah. raise each other's yeah. kids. Yes. But when it comes to being an intentional father or an intentional mother, like I hope I am, even though I haven't birthed anyone or adopted anyone. But you've got about a zillion spiritual kids. Right. So so when we see a book like Intentional Father, How to Raise Sons in Courage and Character, talk for a minute to the men and women listening who aren't physical parents yet, but are parenting like Paul. And, and, And many of us, how do we work on our parenting when we aren't parents? Well, I tell you, it's called the intentional father. Um, there's a lot of unintentional parents doing a lot of damage. And ah, so, so there's, a, I mean, say that. I, I open by talking about five kinds of parents. And um, the best kind is the, the, or the, the aspiration is to be an intentional parent. You know, I've mentored a lot of kids. I was a youth pastor here in Nashville for a lot of yeah. years. And you can play a tremendous role being a mentor. Like, here's the thing. Young people are desperate for older people to take him by the hand and walk them through these complex, agonizing, pain-filled years. They're looking for a guide. And um, that guide can be a father. If a father's not around, it can be a mentor, it can be a coach, it can be a youth pastor, it can be someone in a community group or whatever. And it actually happens best in partnership. Like, So I was always trying to outsource or or supplement, complement my parenting with Nate with like other mentors and other friends. I was always trying to expose him. You got to meet with them, hang out with them, go on that thing. Cause I wanted him to see a community of men. So the books, like my whole point is like, you need a cohort period. Yes. You need it to be surrounded. I I read a wonderful book. My gosh, it was just such a great book called a council of dads. And it was about a guy who he walked the whole world. He walked to the Bible. I think he's a secular Jew, but this was what he did. And then he got cancer in his leg. Mm. He's going to die. And he had these two newborn girls. And so he's like, I'm not going to be around. I need to build a council of dads. And um, I don't want to wreck the book. He ends up living. He's fine. He lives in Brooklyn. But, <laughs> Are you friends with him yet? Yeah, no, but I, I, <gasps> but I, I went back and walked. It's a long story. Anyway, it's a great book. But I love that vision. I was like, this is what we need. We need a council of dads or father figures. Yeah. And uh, there's actually several other books. Uh, one of them I read um, by an African-American woman talking about her um, her son um, didn't, his father was not in the picture. So she basically made a, same thing, made a community of, of mentors to help play these roles in her son. So I've got a thing on archetypes, which like any male formation has in it. Yeah. And like, I think one practical way is to sit down and say like, who's the best person to teach this kid these particular this things? Thing. Yeah, so like, great. I've got friends in New York who are really good with money. And I was like, you need to learn from them. They know about it a lot better than I do. I can talk to you about the heart, the spirit, yeah. walking with Jesus. They, you know, So there's, there's multiple ways a mentor could speak in and bring their unique gifts to bear. The ultimate vision is like a community of people creating a shared pathway for yeah. young people. So. That's, I think that's really helpful for, our, I would imagine, for our parents listening that, are, that the reminder, you don't have to be everything for your kids. Well, you can't. What you can't. a crushing weight. Right, crushing I would imagine. Weight. The other thing I'll say, I just I just watched um, Anthony Bourdain, that Anthony Bourdain documentary. <gasps> I saw you tweeting. Were you tweeting about it? I saw you talking I prob- I probably about did. it. Yeah, yes. I mean, it was, it's like really conflicted, you know. Yeah. So he's got that famous episode of Waffle House, and I yeah. just eat at Waffle House. Yeah. That's why I thought about it. And uh, so he ends up having a kid late in life uh-huh. with his second wife. 
And he's like, uh, the footage, he just looks like an incredible dad. He's doing everything he can, but he's just torn, torn with personal ambition. And then one of his friends says, you know, he's, he said, Anthony had this vision of, of being the ideal dad, the romantic dad, and he could never live up to it. So he always felt guilty and it paralyzed wow. him. And I was like, yeah, that's the thing. Because there's a difference, biblical, so I've been thinking about this a lot, talking about this a lot. Greatness, it's possible to be great in our culture and a horrible parent. Like how many famous people like did it at the cost of their children's formation and souls. But there's, so greatness is actually about other-centered sacrifice in the Bible. Mm. And so it's possible to be a great dad, which means you basically like you get up early, you're sacrificing on behalf of your family, you're doing things that they'll never appreciate and never know. And And then on your deathbed, it's possible that your kids would say it. He was a great dad. And greatness is about sacrifice. It's not mm. idolize. It's not Instagram moments. It's not hype. It's like showing up every day to love, to guide. Mm. It's micro formation. It's the right word at the right time. It's the gift of presence. It's screwing up and asking for forgiveness. It's modeling yeah. like a God honoring humanity in front of your kids. And so take the pressure off. You don't have to be this idealized parent. You don't have to go to a conference and feel like crap because you can't do all the stuff. Be present. Do what you can. Express love. Repent. When you screw up, be honest. And um, that's what I think parenting greatness really yeah. is. Get the pressure off your back. That's right. Yeah. I, I mean, I love my role in my friends' parenting lives. Yeah, yeah. Like, because I'm the one who can come over at 5 o'clock when they've done all day, yeah. and I can just play for yeah. an hour because I've had tons of energy. I've been at work all day. I want to play. Yeah. And and I love throwing kids from here to there. I think it's, like, incredibly fun. And yeah. so, and I, so I love my role in that. And if I can't imagine... If my family, if my little village didn't let me be a part of yes. the parenting, yes. I can see them at times when something goes sideways with me and a kid where they hold back yes. to let me and the kid work it out. Yeah. And when we're talking about family, we're not, so we've got the, like the modern obsession with the nuclear family as right. opposed to like the biblical concept, which was extended family, yeah. 50 to 70 people. It was like way bigger than like Jeff mom, Bethke's dad. writing about this a ton and yes. it's awesome. Yeah. Mom, and, mom, dad, and two kids. Like that's not it. Right. That was it's like, not it's a it. tribe. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it would help. I think so many single people mm. would feel less lonely mm. if they could find their way into a tribe. Yeah, amen. And and even though it's like, well, yeah, I'm around a lot of married people, which is fine. They have single friends. We'll be fine. Like, but it is, it is, it's one of the greatest gifts of my life mm-hmm. is being a part of those that particular tribe. Mm-hmm. Okay, one last thing mm-hmm. is well, for sure, is there anything we didn't talk about? You want to make sure we cover? We did a lot. No, no, this is great. You you are like the most wonderful conversationalist. Oh, it's just God. effortless. Thanks. Effortless. I've done a you know some other wonderful podcasts, and I'm just like. <laughs> Water from a stone. <laughs> this is just like well, flowing like the River Jordan. <laughs> I'll receive that. The yes. thing I have to hold back yes. is I want to. I want to tell you all the things, yes. and I'm like, no. A, you're on a microphone. B, yes. we want everyone to know about John. Um, so thank you. That means a lot because yes. there's required a lot of self control today. Yes. I would love for you. Will you give us a little spiritual direction going into the rest of 2021? I love seasons. I love. I think God works in seasons all the time. So I'm always marking dates. I'm a. I am a. I'm as. I'm pretty charismatic. I hide it a lot, but I'm pretty charismatic. So I'm like, when is when has there been 40 days? When is there? You know, like. I'm looking at seasons. So we're going into the fall, ending a year that seems for a lot of us has gone by incredibly fast because we still feel gone, 2020. It has gone fast. So it? fast. How we're yes. in almost a quarter four is beyond me. Yeah. Where's God want us to go for the rest of this year? What should we, if we could, if we studied one thing, if we read one book, if we, besides the intentional father, if we read <laughs> one book of the Bible, where do you think we should go next? What's God doing? Well, I mean, this is what we've been talking about as a staff, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, like we've done a lot of spiritual bypassing, you know, like we've sprinkled like magic God source over the trauma of the last 18 months. And a lot of it's unacknowledged in our hearts. And so we've sort of white knuckled our way through and it's like, okay, I think we're going to make it. Okay. 
And I think it's probably like really, really wise to spend some time like deal, like sitting with and going back over and saying like, what actually happened to me Wow! in the previous year that I haven't really gotten to yet? In my desire for normalcy, in my desire to get through this, um, even in in my awareness of like, you know, you're looking at Afghanistan, looking at those people trying to get on the plane, you're looking at Haiti and you're just like, there's so much global trauma, but have we really dealt with our own? Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I know I shared this when we talked a while back or whatever. It was like, I, I'm so haunted by this, by what Tim Keller said. He said, after 9-11, Christians tend to have a heroic response to crisis. We're like, we were born for this. We love, we've got social capital. We have an invisible network of connections across the city. We rally resources. We give. Right. We're God's people. And he said, but most of the people who rallied after 9-11 who didn't deal with their drama were gone two years later. He's like, the consequences wow. are never felt in real time. And I can say I'm seeing a lot of people walking around with tiredness, loss of hope, deep discouragement, and they're not quite sure why. Yes. And it's like, because you haven't dealt with that stuff when you like, you are bleeding out. Yes. You haven't dealt with it. Yes. And so I would say like, if you don't deal with 2020, it'll be here in 2022. Wow. Let's like, let's like bring it to God and really process it, yes. sit with it, get it out, be honest with it, name it, see what's been exposed. You know, like what, what is the book? Oh, I don't know. It's probably the book of Psalms. I'm always the mm-hmm. gospel. I'm a never leave the gospels person. Yeah. But I've been getting so much life from the Psalms. Yeah. You know? and, I, yeah. and, and so it's just like being able to like turn these into cries of the heart, writing your own Psalms. Lord, here's how I really felt about that. And, yeah. You know, you might, like you said, you said like I'm a bit frustrated at God or mad at God or whatever it is. It's like there's a lot of people mad. Yes. God, there's a lot of people that had friends die. You know, yes. there's a lot of people that like lost jobs and they question the goodness of God. I and think- it feels like with a resurgence of COVID being a conversation and seeing people get sick, it feels like in my conversations, there are a lot of people who feel like I can't do this again. I was about to say like, we do not have the willpower as a culture to revert. Yes. We can't like, even if you want to, you're like, I can't go back there. We must go forward. And even that like, even that is a, like a subtle form of repression. Like I must bury that deeper to get through. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, it's like just deep honesty with our hearts. Yeah. People are like a lot of subconscious stuff and I would like dig it out and sit with it and be honest yeah. with it. Yeah. What could, yeah. what could God do if we lamented yeah. what we've experienced? It's just grief, grieving grieve loss, yeah. grieving it. Like this hurt. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. I mean the, the, Oh, man, I was so disillusioned with pastoring, just like in total, utter disillusionment. Like, am I pastoring the internet, which is not even a thing? <laughs> right. Like, where are my people? I, right. Like, I was just so disoriented. And I had to just like acknowledge this, like, okay, I need to just grieve this thing out. Mm-hmm. And I went into the woods and I was walking around and I was angry. I was mad that this has happened. Mm-hmm. We're on the verge of a move of God. I'd been praying for three years. We had momentum. And I was like, okay, this is all gone. Okay, I got I to gotta get it out. So I think it's, it's space to grieve and then it's space to heal, mm. you know. And so I think like if you healed people can help people. And yes. so it's like I think if we can come out of this like – in a place of like restoration and health, we'll be able to give a lot because I think our culture is going to go there. I think our yeah. culture is going to deal with this and it's going to be a lot of sideways energy. And we're going to be able to say, hey, let me walk you through that. Here's yeah. what I learned from following Jesus. It, that's, that is why the gospels will matter to us every day yeah. is that when we, as we continue to move towards whatever is coming next, mm. there are a lot of people who are going to give help that is not gospel help. Mm. And we have no, the actual totally. gospel yes. help. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay, John, the last question we always ask, you you know it because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Tell me what sounds fun to you. Oh, let me tell you. I am I am getting like can I can I tell you a quick story? Yes. Okay. So I am in no rush. I'm thrilled you're here. This <laughs> okay. is one of my fa- okay. this is the highlight of my day. Okay, so um I did the revival tour with my family mm-hmm. and I was going to see this place where Bonhoeffer ran Finkenwald in the middle of the night. Uh-huh. We're in Poland. I'm in a European micro car. There's five of us. We go to this hotel and it's locked out. Oh, it's like we can't get in. Cannot get in. Cold, 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 cold. 
So my wife, 10 seconds in, my wife's like, I'm not dealing with this. She's breaking the European micro <laughs> oh, car I love her so much. Into, a, into a bedroom. She's got the back down. She's like literally <laughs> forcing my kids into human like pretzeling. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We can You're going to sleep here. You're going to sleep here. We can do this. And uh, we, it's a long story. About an hour later, a drunk guy shows up and we, we get in and it's, it's oh like, it was, but as, as I'm getting ready to sleep on top of the European micro car, uh-huh. okay, I was just like, I love this. Yeah. An adventure is a journey with no determined outcome. And it's just like, I didn't know it was going to happen. And, and I was like so fully alive getting ready to camp with the European microcar. And I said to my wife, I was like, we've got to do, we just have to explore. We've got to do fun stuff where we don't know the outcome. Mm. So that's our great quest yeah. as empty nesters is like one thing a week that we don't <gasps> know how it's going to One thing turn. a week? Yes, that's, come on, pleasure stacking. Sabbath. That's awesome, yeah. yeah like, let's let's go somewhere, let's explore something, let's do something, let's like strategically plan it out, plan the thing without knowing how it's going to win. That sounds fun. Adventure in midlife. Brilliant. Yeah. And you'll do it on your Sabbath? You yes, think? Friday night. Okay. Yeah. Man, we need to do, at some point, I would love for you to come back. Maybe you and John Mark and I, all three, do a Q&A about Sabbath. People yes. ask all the time how to do it with kids, how to do how do I've you— I've been in John Mark's house when he's doing Sabbath with his kids at yeah. the Sabbath meal. It's, he, man, it's, it's, it's like he is one of my dearest friends. I love him so much. He's, he's like the truest soul. That's and a, a with very, very different personalities. Yeah. So like watching him with his kids on Sabbath versus what I did with my kids, it's like it's the same principles with radically different expressions. You know? Sometimes I feel like when he's around me, he feels like I am a confetti cannon that's going to shoot off at any second. <laughs> that he doesn't know quite what to do with he's me. He's drawn from a deep well. Because, yeah, and I uh, could not adore him more. I just yes. think the world of him. So, okay, we need to do a Sabbath talk at some point. Yes. Thanks for doing this. I'm yeah, always grateful. Yeah, what a joy. This here. was wonderful. Thank you for having me. Oh, it was a treat. Yeah. Oh, you guys, isn't he the best? Oh, I just learned so much every time, every time. I'm so thankful for him. Hey, be sure to grab a copy of his new book, The Intentional Father, and make sure you're following him on social media. Tell him thanks so much for being on the show. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me and out on tour in October. I hope you've already got your ticket. Go ahead to AnnieFDowns.com slash events. We cannot wait to see you. Oh my gosh, we're so excited to do this again. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I'll do the same. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday with you guys. You aren't even ready. The former football coach from the University of Georgia, Coach Mark Rick. Y'all, I yeah, I can't believe I got to talk to Coach Rick. You're going to love it. Go dog sick him. We'll see you guys on Monday. <laughs>